calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. sausage sandwich waiting for me at home ready to cook i've told you about this already matt you have yeah uh, i'm really looking forward it's got to, to beat that. the bap i had at the weekend though hasn't it oh yeah but i don't know tell us all about your bap it, it, it was a good six inches across it was fucking massive i reckon it had five sausages in it wow. is this a routine that you guys planned before and i feel like no <laughs> we started the just natural this is just yeah why not it's natural I the way you kicked into that i was like he's prepared like a little uh, skit or something I, do, I, do, I, do I look like a comedy sketch writer yeah no you're definitely not <laughs> well i haven't tried have i in a, in a good probably 12 years uh you have a sausage sandwich when you get home Dale? uh not tonight no um but you know Maybe on the weekend. Sausage sandwich is good, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I don't have them that often, yeah. to be honest. Um, welcome to the IGN UK podcast. I'm Simon Cardi. Dale Driver, you're at two weeks in a row. I know, right? I What's know. Going on? Yeah. I know. Baby in... Uh, in, is that, in, I'm in the, we're in the office today, I know. Though, so I'm off the you've baby aban- leash. You've abandoned your boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Matt, you've got no boy to abandon. I do not, no. No, but uh, well, neither do I. We'll never abandon each other. How about that? We'll make that I won't now. make that I, I wouldn't commit to that, <laughs> Please, please, someone commit to me. God, um, <laughs> um, let's talk about... We've got, we got a good few games to talk about this week. Phantom Liberty, the Cyberpunk expansion. That's a... Ooh, that's a riot. We'll tell you all about that. It's uh, Preem. Preem, yeah. <laughs> hey, Tum. <laughs> oh, God, we're not going to talk that again. Uh, also, Dale's been lucky enough. Played for a bit of Final Fantasy VII Rebirth as yeah, well. Yeah, I did. I know. Ooh. Excited to talk about that. And me and Matt went to Finland a few weeks ago to check out Alan Wake 2. We might as well tell people a bit about that, I suppose, because we've been doing a month-long coverage of that. And also, Matt, you've been playing with Pinocchio, haven't you? And his uh, big nose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've yeah, been yeah. Uh, fiddling about with his nose. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you made that worse. You made that, <laughs> you, made, you made that worse than it could have been. Um, yeah, okay. Uh, Cyberpunk. <laughs> Let's talk about that one first. Um, uh-huh. God, where do we start with Cyberpunk? Describe um, what it is. Cyberpunk, well, Phantom Liberty is the expansion to Cyberpunk, much like The Witcher 3 back in the day got its Blood and Wine and Hearts of Stone expansion. This is 
Cyberpunk 2077's one and only expansion. Mm. And you know what? It is absolutely excellent. It is, to me anyway, and I like Cyberpunk quite a bit, uh, the original game, but this is just head and shoulders the best thing I've in the game. I've seen it already described by Rock Paper Shotgun, mm-hmm. you know, a place with good reputation, as one of the potentially one of the best expansion packs of all time. Um, it might might be one of I, my... Yeah. I don't play many expansions because I tend to sort of leave games when mm-hmm. I'm finished with But I think it might be one of the best ones I've ever played. It's one of. I wouldn't I Personally, I think Hearts and Stone and Blood and Wine are probably a little... The Hearts and Stone story is very, very good. And the Blood and Wine expansion is just the whole world of Tucson mm-hmm. is, is amazing. Whereas Cyberpunk, you're kind of getting... It's less of... You're not getting a whole new world like you do with Blood and Wine and The Witcher. You're, you're getting a new area of Night City, which still does feel like Night City, but is different enough and it's not it's located in the pacific section of uh, cyberpunk if you haven't played it which was fairly underdeveloped in yeah, the yeah, yeah. It, it's almost like i, I kind of because so, i've been playing this for so long now i can't remember what it looked like before yeah, yeah. but i do kind of want to go back and look at a map where i feel like it might have been there but it was like locked yeah, off. yeah it was just like off. a gap in the map basically and at first i was like oh this is quite a small area so i was expecting you know yeah. playing blood and wine the witcher that's like a whole massive map to explore Whereas at first it seems like it's quite small. It's just like the size of a district in Cyberpunk, but it's so much denser than any other area in the game and so yeah. layered as well. And the buildings have like, you can go up to like, you can't go on every floor of these buildings, but some of these buildings go up to floor 99 and stuff yeah. like that. Like, and there's depths to go to. And I don't know where to start apart from the fact that it's just brilliant. And if you, even if you haven't played the Cyberpunk main game, I would kind of encouraged just to play this because it is the closest we've got to a Mission Impossible video game and it's to me it's been like for years it's just like why have we not like we've had Uncharted which is kind of as close I guess to that sort of adventure spy thing isn't it when we came out of seeing uh, Dead Reckoning one of the yeah. first things I said to you was, why Why haven't we got a Mission Impossible yeah. video game? I know, you know, if you go back in the day, you've got Siphon Filter, right? Which is sort of doing that vibe. Yeah. But that's decades old at this no. point. And that also felt like way more focused on just the gunplay mm-hmm. aspects of yeah. it. Whereas like um, Phantom Liberty, there is a lot of missions where you go long stretches where there's no gunplay required yeah. or it's just pure You can stealth. go a lot of that. I mean, the first... It's quite an action-packed opening. Like it's almost like I was—I played the first two hours of this, and I was ten people. Was like, it's just like a Call of Duty campaign, like in a good way. Like there's yeah. like an old-school cinematic action first-person shooter, and it kind of does develop as you go along. It turns a bit more. Times it's a bit Watchdogs, but yeah, at times it really is just like you're playing a Bond game, and they they lean in heavy. Like there's some big Mission Impossible elements to it. I'm yeah. not necessarily going to spoil that. You're like, okay, yeah, you've seen Mission Impossible, and like even the way this. You know, there's like big bond moments um, that I know I've finished the main campaign. There are different ways you can go, but you are one mission away from I the end. I'm I think right the so end. You're yeah, much I would have finished it if it wasn't for a stupid little baby. Oh, babies. Things. Oh, yeah. God. Um, I, I will say, though, that I, I think this is the best that Cyberpunk has been. And Absolutely. I loved Cyberpunk. I, I finished it through twice like on PS4 and then when mm. it came to sorry, like the old gen version on PS5 and then the new uh, next gen version. Um, I loved it, really enjoyed the game, but I think they've really found their sweet spot here with how missions can be at their best in this in, in this system. And I think part of that is largely because I play as a Netrunner character anyway, mm-hmm. but it, it leans into the idea of implementing technology to like achieve your goals yeah. and, and, and espionage. It's a real cyberpunk story, whereas yeah. the main campaign story is... 
it's set in a cyberpunk world, but the story is kind of like it doesn't. It can't, it does have a lot. It's it's a smash Emmett, the, but it's not a. It's a smash yeah. the system story, but it's yeah. It's actual tie into what cyberpunk as a fictional genre yeah. is about. It never really goes much into that transhumanism. It's kind of just corporations are bad. That's the message, kind yeah. of that story. Yeah. Whereas this one has so many more elements, and you know, I'm not. I didn't well up at any point in this story, but much more emotionally connected than pretty much anyone apart from like Judy and Pan Am in the main mm-hmm. game. Like this, you meet characters they're not called even Songbird. Really the main game are they? No. Their relations are mostly the side yeah. stuff. Whereas you, this character called Songbird, who you meet. The first second of this DLC, she's who phones you to start off the Phantom Liberty expansion, and she's a great character. Idris Elba, very good as Solomon Reed yeah, as well, really and, good, yeah, yeah, um, noticeably good, especially when you compare to Keanu, who I think, to be fair to his credit, is better in the expansion. I think that's mainly because the writing in the expansion is at times much better than the main I game. I think he says his lines are better. Yeah. I still think his delivery is just <laughs> as bad. And honestly, the, wor- the worst part about Cyberpunk across the board for me is every- every- the fact that Johnny Silvans is in it all yeah. the goddamn time. Well, crucially, this you know this story is not about him. So it's good. No. He does pop up every now and then to be like, you know, that devil on your shoulder sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, just for a little chat every now yeah. and again. But... Yeah, just the mission design is just so good. And you can tell kind of Dogtown, like I said, it's a dense, like packed area where you kind of, throughout the campaign and the side missions, which are also very good, they visit like all the landmarks you see and there's a reason for every building to be there. And you can tell that this area was built for these missions and the story rather than, you know, say Night City in the main game felt like we've built this amazing looking city, but we've got to put missions into it somehow. And there's whole areas of that city in the main game. You don't even need to visit. Like the whole North half of that map is like kind of redundant for a lot of the game. Like this is such, it's just such better game design. It's just, this felt like what cyberpunk should have been all along. And yeah, I've just, what I think it took me about 14 hours to go through all the main missions with a few side bits trickled in so you're getting a fair amount of game here as well the thing i'd say about dogtown is although I, I agree i think it's like extremely dense and it's packed and it's really got really cool style if anyone hasn't seen it it's like kind of almost like las vegasy but mixed mm-hmm. with like um piers and beachy elements yeah, as well a bit, and yeah. then like grimy sort of uh um, almost more like atlantic city in that way sort of like yeah a- but i also think it's perhaps a little bit cartoonish like how it's mm-hmm. all so tightly packed in how like whereas the actual nice city felt more like and they like, built like we're going to build a city where this is we're going to build a game zone it's noticeably know? a much more hostile place like you yeah. feel like it is a is this is yeah, described as a combat zone so it's basically run by this character called kurt hansen who's basically like a militia leader who owns this part has taken over this part of the town basically so it's a much more like whereas night city you never and this is part of the 2.0 update you never really got in trouble just by driving around no one would just have a go at you like in you know in gta like sometimes some gangs just don't Mm -hmm. like it they'll open fire like in san andreas and stuff like that whereas in dogtown sometimes you just accidentally pull your gun out or you drive a bit too close to people and that alert will start growing like it's a dangerous place to just hang out and it's kind of like you can't it keeps you on your toes i do kind of Sometimes they're just like walking around. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I just wanted to walk around. You didn't have to have a pop at me here. Yeah. But like, it does make it more fun. Like you're always, you know, you're always on alert. It's also got a, like a weird vibe. For a second, I f- almost forgot that Cyberpunk wasn't a post-apocalyptic game. Because mm-hmm. there's certain regions of it in certain areas of it. I understand like, you know, it's 
it's not lawless, but it's got its own yeah. like systems and stuff. So some parts of it have run down, but there's like an old football stadium yep. that's just been completely like destroyed and now it's turned into sort of ramshackly sort of shantytown like market, market sort yeah. of thing. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely got a different vibe. Whereas the main Night City is, um, a lot of it is shiny, neon, yeah. chrome. It still just stuff. looks amazing as well. Yeah. This game looks, the, the art style of this game is just still like relatively unmatched i think and the photo mode i spent is my favorite photo mode i spent far too long in it and yeah going back to some of the missions i just like some of them are just like standout missions there is the one that is obviously a james bond mission that's kind of like an infiltration mission there's one that's very mission impossible where some tech is involved and then you haven't played it yet del because we should point out this there's a distinct branch in this story and there's a big choice you get to make I'm going to play the other branch tonight, just see how different it is. But I've heard it's like dress, like so much that the whole last mission is basically a completely different mission. Um, But yeah, the last mission of the way I went, which we've both gone, which feels the more natural. It feels it fits the character of V more to pick this. Exactly what that was my. I did take a second to choose. Yeah, and my rationale on the decision was. Um, I feel this serves V. It's a, it's a genuine grey area choice. Where yeah. It's not. A, it's not a. This is the good and this is the bad. I was generally like, oh, but do it. You know, is this person this, right? This is this is person right? That CDPR's narrative team have been incredibly good at basically yeah. for their entire existence. Is even going back as far as The Witcher One. Yeah, a lot of the choices, and it sounds like I'm assuming does this immediately trigger the mission after that choice? Uh, you have to wait around. Cause you know, some sometimes like wait mm-hmm. for a call, but like yeah. it, it it instantly triggers what happens in the second half yeah. of that mission you're mm-hmm. playing. Yeah, it's just one of those things that I can remember back in The Witcher One. It'd do things where you really had no idea what the right choice was in this. Mm-hmm. They were just two very mm-hmm. plainly thing. Are you going to do left or are you going to do right? Yeah, and then you choose it, and then it wouldn't let you know what decision you'd actually made until about three hours later in the game and you'd be like oh remember that thing that you did that you thought was possibly inconsequential Mm -hmm. no an entire region has collapsed because of it the no spoilers but the last mission of this game is unbelievably good like it's unlike um, it kind of brings everything that's good in phantom together like the spectacle of it the spy nature of it just the action of it like it is just a full like last 20 minutes of like a mission impossible or bond film like everything's now kicking off everything's coming together and they hit it as well with like the choice you have to make at the end of that as well like another genuine of like i don't know who's right Mm -hmm. who's wrong who to like you know it nails that whole like no what no one is good no one is bad in this Mm -hmm. world that the main campaign kind of it was a bit more black and white. I was like, oh, Arasaka, they're bad. Johnny, you're mm. meant to kind of side with him, but I never That's liked him, thing, I think. Like, you're meant to be sympathetic yeah. towards Johnny's Oh, I flight. wasn't. No I one is. Never let it? him have his way. You know, oh, all the stuff awful. where he wants to go on the date with Rogue and yeah, yeah. he yeah. wants you to do this and that with him. And, he, you know, he's got obviously a, a wish for what you do with the Makoshi stuff. Absolutely never let him have yeah. his way through yeah. that game. Whereas characters like Solomon and Solomon Reed, who Idris Elba plays, and mm-hmm. Songbird and I mean, another cool character called Alex along the way, like they're all just very good characters mm-hmm. that all have demons and all have positives as well. And it's just yeah. like, oh, it's just so, so well written. It and sounds designed. like in many respects, it is like, I always thought that, I think The Witcher 3 is fabulous, but I do mm. think that Blood and Wine is really good. It's it's everything that's good about The Witcher condensed yeah. into a 
a shorter version, but obviously Blood and Wine itself is about 30 hours long. But that's because naturally those kind of fantasy games tend to be a bit more sprawling, mm-hmm. whereas uh, a more kind of futuristic game, they tend to be a little bit more condensed because of the way that the spaces are designed. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like it is Blood and Wine for Absolutely. Uh, Cyberpunk, and it's everything that's good about that taken yeah. to its apex and not to completely you know let cd project off the hook of what happened three years ago like that game should never have launched the status oh, absolutely but the redemption arc is clear to see now mm. and this is what it should have been all along they've you'd like to think now they've learned their lessons and they've definitely learned what worked in cyberpunk and what didn't and taken all the good stuff mm-hmm. for this and now it just gets me so excited for cyberpunk well i was too, just gonna say site. that for, for me i hope this is you know in um in gta 4 how you had the highest mission, right? And mm-hmm. it was a highlight. And then GTA 5 was like, right, we'll build the next game around that yeah. idea. Yeah, yeah. I want that to be this. I want them to take this this idea, this political espionage sort of yeah. story and build a new story using this framework for the next mm-hmm. one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that would leave me so excited, man. And, and you know, and also makes me hope that the industry learns to, you know, take their time with their games just a little bit longer. Like if No Man's Sky and Cyberpunk could release just a year later, then mm-hmm. it would yeah, have been a very a different one, situation. But yeah. Cyberpunk fans, literally, like if you've never played Cyberpunk, this is time to jump in as well because you've got the 2.0 so, update, which does. I don't think it's like some people are saying, like, change the gameplay. I don't think it changes nah. the game completely. The new perk system is very good, and the way you get to design your character, and clearly, like, you can see what every choice makes. It's not just like 1% better SMG rate of fire, mm. it's like you have now unlocked the ability to use these Dash Mantis blades, yeah, yeah, to actually. You double jump well double jump was always one but you know yeah. what i mean they're tangible differences not just like percentage changes a lot of the time and yeah the new police system's interesting as well but like i didn't you know i'm a goody two-shoes a lot of the time i don't get in trouble with the law so um what you your character right you'd only you're about halfway through the game and you yeah so game? i was on my second playthrough and i was this playthrough i was going for more of like a brute character so i invested a lot in like the body stuff yeah. and had these big gorilla arms that set people on fire when i hit them and <laughs> but stuff i'm just like trying that. to get a sense of so i started this dlc where it's an end game save it's level 50 uh, yeah so i'm completely maxed out when i started mm-hmm. the level cap does increase to 60 now uh but um i did one complaint i do find is i just found it supremely easy not not a challenge in any mm-hmm. way and but that might be because I'm max level and I've got all the perks and like mm-hmm. I said I've built this netrunner character I've got all my perks in that yeah. so I'm like just an I do think this machine. not that you can play this game and that's the beauty of this game you can choose a character and build them completely different like we have but yeah. for like the genre and a lot of the missions of Phantom League are set up for you to be more of a hacker yeah. netrunner sort of character but do you it recommend, fits that vibe I think but do you recommend playing the game at any level it's like can you play at any level that's what I'm yeah. trying to get well you have on. to get to well, you have to be either like halfway through the campaign to trigger or from the moment you can just start Phantom Liberty and they'll give you a level 20 oh, character okay, that you can okay. build. So level 20 is recommendation. That was about where I was in the main campaign. But I imagine it scales anyway. Like. Yeah, I didn't find it. There's times where some of those fights are very difficult, if okay. especially if you don't go the quiet option, which my character didn't really have the option to yeah. a lot of the time. But yeah, you mentioned the gigs and, and the side missions as well, like also just very good my favorite my favorite stuff about the original cyberpunk um because i I was obsessed with getting the platinum for it i meant doing all the gigs but i had a great time doing it Mm -hmm. because i just found every gig was its own little bite size like 10 15 minute yeah you know dystopian not dystopian just future story you know and um i found 
some of them were so unique and weird and they all have their own little choices and permutations. They've got the balance perfect because there's so many weird characters you meet in like the gigs and the side missions in Dogtown because the main story itself is quite serious and quite, there's not many laughs along the main Ah, campaign path. Whereas, yeah, the little side gigs like I've, have you done one where it's like at one of those brain dance shops and there's yeah, these two and the guy guys who's confused about who, who think, he is? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he, he kind of got lost in a brain dance, which is if you don't know what Cyberman brain dance is, basically these recorded realities you can what you can yeah. slot into your own brain and live someone else's memories. And there's yeah, someone who basically yeah, pre- not pretends, but basically thinks they are someone else because they got caught in one of them yeah. or something. And, and that's your quite funny. is to like speak say, to the actual person. I haven't played it yet, but I just triggered to start the one you talked about where you have to, is it like help a group of like young football players? So there's something? an underground, <laughs> uh, like it was almost like a breeding camp for like young football. And when I say football, I mean soccer as well. Yeah. Like young football players who are like being chromed up and like enhanced <laughs> and they're like little kids and they're being like sold in like a black market sort of situation. Having their legs teens. chopped off to have yeah. robotic legs. It's like saying, on. oh, they, you want to buy this. And they were actually doing like an auction mm-hmm. for these players and stuff. It was like, it was very, very seedy, very underground, but also had like this real like sort of weird, almost like, I don't know. The fact that they were football players made it funny as well. Yeah, yeah. It's very silly. But yeah, there's all sorts of cool, weird things going on like that. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah. Phantom Liberty for Cyberpunk 2077. Just just play it. Yeah. I just like, I can't. It's, it's one of the best things I've played I think this if year you've ever been interested distance. in Cyberpunk, this is the perfect illustration yeah. of how good Cyberpunk can be. And if, and if someone was interested but had heard a load of, you know, bad mm. stuff from previously, would you recommend they just started afresh with the 2.0 and think, get to Phantom the context, naturally? I think the context that world helps. And because they do mention like gangs and like mm-hmm. things in this world. If you just started Phantom Liberty without playing any of what the roughly 15 probably hours stuff, before the that. Johnny stuff would be weird as well yeah. without the context of what's going on. Why is this man? Exactly. Yeah, I feel yeah. like you'd mm-hmm. want to have a build a character in that world a bit before just entering Dogtown and be like, what is going on? Like yeah. who are these factions? Who are these people? But then, like you said about the new perk system, like it, it, it's really fortunate for new players. They can actually like decide on mm-hmm. what sort of character do I want to say. And yeah. you can respect yourself now as mm-hmm. well. At one point, if you decide, oh, I don't I like always respect myself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you can choose to reset it. I think you get one for free and you can reset it all. And then, try a new system out which you couldn't do in the original yeah. from what i remember i'm yeah I, I can't wait to get home and yeah try the other branch of this and see where it goes and i can't wait for you to play it max i know yeah. you're gonna love it yeah well i've got uh from what i understand two mission well two quests in Baldur's gate three oh. left so it'll be straight on to this yeah once i'm i mean Baldur's gate is is, is running away with my game here at the moment i don't think we'd we haven't talked about it actually Arjun. like it's phantom liberty what it can't be game mix it's not a game in itself you i know. mean if we had an but expansion it's one of the best of the year i mean it's, it's easily it's that. that but um isn't it weird how like tears of the kingdom and starfield at the start of this year were like the dead certs locks to be mm-hmm. game of the year people and now like Baldur's, Baldur's gate just came out of nowhere didn't they and people yeah, I still, I mean, uh, it's gonna be Baldur's gate versus tears of the kingdom isn't it? Mm. that's the big one um early next year though could Final Fantasy VII Rebirth set an early mark, Dale, do you think, for Game of the Year for next that. year? <laughs> I don't think it Game of the Year because um, like if I start off slightly negative... I mean, Remake was near the top of our list. Like, uh, when it well, came wouldn't up. have been for me, personally, but I do think it's really good. I really enjoyed it. I just had some issues with it. And I think the biggest, if you wanted to poke apart an issue of Rebirth from what I played, is that it is the same game still. Um, like In terms of... Uh, the combat and the systems they've added mm-hmm. a couple of new like flare moves and stuff but essentially it's the same vibe however i think the most exciting thing for me is the promise of what they can deliver on from the original 
So the, obviously we were always told with Remake that it was just the Midgar section and it was like five hours in the original game blown out to 30 hours in this. Whereas this one, they've all but confirmed that it's the end of disc one, which is, I don't know, 30 hours maybe of the original game if you're maybe. going at a mm-hmm. normal pace. And uh, they say it's 100 hours and they showed in the trailer all the location you're going to get to visit. So the promise of what we're actually going to get mm-hmm. to see is so exciting. But what, anyway, what I played uh, was I played 25 minutes of the flashback section where they're going into the uh, Mako reactor in Mount Nibble mm-hmm. where you, and you get to control Sephiroth. I got to control Sephiroth for a bit as well, which is quite oh, cool. Did that feel naughty? Uh, a little bit. Oh, do you know what was slightly irritating about it was when, when you're in battle, obviously you can switch to Sephiroth, but as soon as you come out, you go straight back to cloud again. And I was mm. like, I want to walk around as Sephiroth for a bit. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like in the original game in that sequence, he's uh, obnoxiously overpowered. And, but the, that's the whole essence of that sequence is to show you how mm-hmm. much of a soldier he actually was. Uh, and then the other section I got to play was just before you arrive at Junon, which is a small fishing village underneath it. And there's an open world section there. So I got a taste of what the open world section was like. In the open world, is it, like, is it really open? Open? No. no. Uh, so is it, it, is it, I just have one question. Is it at least better than Final Fantasy 16's open areas in quotation marks? So I would say it feels familiar to Final Fantasy 16's bigger open world sections. That's not, that's not what I want to hear. But <laughs> I will say, the, what I, and they, they were very clear on that, what I was seeing wasn't the finished thing. And I know they norm, everyone says that, but it generally did feel like they were walling me off a little bit. Like mm-hmm. I couldn't go to certain bits, uh, but it, it was very densely packed, way more densely packed than 16 okay. is. So I felt like I couldn't go for uh, 10 seconds or so without another building being there, more people to talk to and more things to do. And there was lots of monster hunts like, like thrown around around that area. And it, and it felt like, if anything, I'd say that area almost felt over-designed. Like it's so much going on in that tiny little ecosystem um, and when you compare it to the original where it's just all flat green mm-hmm. landscapes mm-hmm. it's obviously like worlds apart um but essentially yes it did feel a lot like the same game although now we get to play as new characters you get i, I got mean, to play as red 13 as well he can ride a chocobo right? he rides yeah. a chocobo which is super weird yeah <laughs> <laughs> you see the way his back is arched this, this is Crazy. probably a better chat for you and matt to have because i i've not got past this point in the original final fantasy 7 ever so i don't know the story apart from one or two obviously big yeah. things that most people know about this game but uh from what you could tell like uh, is it pretty staying pretty loyal to that story from what you've seen so from what i saw it was almost exactly the same except for um i don't know what do you reckon is it spoilers to say what i saw at the end of it uh you can you, you can fast forward 30 seconds if you I don't mean, want they're, to yeah, well, they're letting people write it in previews uh-huh. it yeah, can't be that yeah i mean it's just it's okay so it's just the introduction to how you meet yuffie so oh, from okay. the original game how you meet yuffie was uh chance well not if you know exactly what to do but for a first time player, it was pure chance. You'd have to meet her in a battle. You'd have to say the right things mm-hmm. and then she'd want to join your party. Whereas in this, obviously she is a character in the game. They can't risk not letting you have her, I guess now. Mm-hmm. So she's bolted into the story and she replaces a character uh, that is originally attacked by a monster is now Yuffie instead. Okay. Cool. So, uh, but that's also an indication for what other things can they slightly change mm-hmm. as the game progresses? And is it going to be like the end of remake where they made substantial changes or has things, things now reset depending on what the you think of the end of remake as well. There's lots of theories and ideas there, but I'm, I'm really excited. Like I, I think I'm mostly excited, not necessarily to play the game, which sounds weird, but to revisit all the nostalgia memories and like see all these places. Like, Oh my God, that's the gold saucer now. Mm-hmm. And like it's, 
huge like modern version of it and I think and just to see these scenes redone in a modern environment that's what I was excited for mostly with remake and what I'm looking forward to now mm-hmm. it's nice. like they've not been nothing that you played nor what has been in the trailer so far has been the stuff that I want to see so my favorite mm. bit from aside from the obvious major kind of story yeah. elements I like Sid's my favorite character mm. in Final Fantasy 7 and I love the story of him and his failed science projects going into space. Isn't he, from what I remember, though, like really abusive to her, though? I think they might adjust like, that slightly. Like, well, so A, mm. I'm interested to see what his relationship with Shira is like, mm. because it's like, it is part of what makes Sid who Sid is. And yeah. I want to see them find a way in the same way that they found a way to make the cross-dressing not feel weird and yeah. creepy in, in Remake. I want to see how they create Sid as... This grumpy, quite, quite, sort of horrible character yeah. in many ways, but he's also weirdly endearing in an odd way, and I, I want to find them he's, navigate that. He's got like an event that happened to him that he's allowing to dictate the rest of his life, and he and he, te- mm-hmm. and he uses that to take it out on everybody. Yeah. else, specifically one person right next to mm-hmm. him. But um, yeah, how how do you also make him extremely likable? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so yeah. I'm really interested to see because you know we we know that that it's going to end at the Forgotten Capital, yeah. which means they will have to do Rocket Town on the way. And yeah. we've seen so many bits in the trailers already that indicate that they're going that way. Like seeing like the Midgar Zolum yeah. and stuff like that, which is following that path through. I will say that they have said on record that some things are going, the orders are going to be changed. Mm-hmm. And I'm just thinking, and potentially, uh, actually, no, I'm just thinking of the chain of events that need to lead to it. Because yeah. I feel like maybe Sid could be something that they hold to the next game. Yeah, maybe he's someone that you meet, but you don't actually recruit and tell I mean, I the... 100% think, they're like, because they've already said Vincent isn't a playable yeah. character. So I think I think we've seen all the playable... I think K-Sif is, the, is mm-hmm. the last playable character we'll get to play as. Not that I have any desire to play as that character, like I did <laughs> in the original. Yeah, I'm surprised, like, um, I couldn't really tell from uh, the trailer, but it doesn't sound like it's got the... For a while, Kate's have had like an Irish, was it an Irish or a Scottish Scottish, yeah, 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 Scottish. And do you know what? It's mad. We can really get in a Final Fantasy hole here. Yeah. As a kid, I never really thought about him being the cat on the top. You thought it was the mog. I thought it was mm-hmm. the big mog thing. And now seeing that little cat talk, it's just yeah. like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. it was always the cat all along. Well, yeah. you know, well, it was the cat all along. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this because... A lot of this is new to me. Yeah. And what, what I yeah. will say after seeing like both the trailer and reading, you know, your coverage and Bo's coverage as well is it's actually more of a sequel than I expected. I just thought mm. it was, everything was going to be the same, but it was just going to be in the new locations. Yeah. I thought the first game had established what the combat, what the mechanics were and stuff like that. And when I've been reading all this, like there's these new synergy moves, there's this new like revenge meter for Red 13. Yeah. There's different types of potions. There's potion crafting. Yes, but I would say like all of that when I was playing felt largely superfluous. Like ultimately I felt like I was playing the but same I didn't, thing. I didn't think it was going to be in there to begin with. So the sure. fact that it is there and is potentially, mm-hmm. you know, the when synergy you've only played an cool. hour. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's nice to have another thing to select yeah mm-hmm. but i did feel like and i think it's a problem with the final fantasy 7 remake combat was i did feel like every fight i have to spend good 30 seconds just smashing square right until yeah. we can actually mm-hmm. start the fight yeah. until i can do things um whereas like in the original i'd always like to right i'm going to launch off with a big barrage or i'm going to yeah. you know start off try and weaken them or cast a spell mm-hmm. over here or cast barrier or something like that. and in this one it's like well you just have to mash a bit until i build up my meter yeah mm-hmm. um and so and some of the smaller enemies literally die so quickly there's no time yeah. so it's mm-hmm. like okay i'm just mashing square quite a lot however like it was such a small amount of time i got to play at it. Mm-hmm. um 
I will say there's some weird stuff as well. I mean, like this That's game. What I want though. I the want original game was, well, do you want this? So this, like, <laughs> when you're climbing up Mount Nibble, and the original game, Mount Nibble is like three different paths and you fight some enemies and then you're there, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have your conversations because it's a flashback scene. You're just mm-hmm. trying to get to the scenes. Where in this one, it's, it, it's quite stretched out and there's a lot more to it. There was a segment where there was just like this uh, Mako ether in the air and it wouldn't let me access the elevator until it had all gone. So I had to get like this giant hoover and I had to push it around and it's like, you've sucked up 20%, okay, yeah, you've sucked up 70%. Weird. When I thought it sounded weird, I thought like crazy weird characters, not mundane activities. I'm sure there'll be that as well. But then there's things like that that just feel like, what, what is this really here for? It feels like it's arbitrarily just trying to stretch the section yeah. out. This is like the the climb to the plate in, in Remake. Yeah. The climb to the plate takes a three-minute section and turns it into at least 40 minutes. And sometimes that doesn't need to no. be the case. No, And I, I just, I wonder what the rationale is there. Do they think we need to make every mm. section more meaty? I would rather have new sections yeah. than have a section that I know that... When you've already played that bit and you know what it should be, yeah. it feels long. It's a bit like, you know how if you've watched uh, like a film and suddenly they turn that film into a television show and you feel like you're going through episodes and episodes yeah. to get to mm-hmm. what should be just an hour into this thing, but yet you're three hours in and you're still not there. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. And then also, um, I mean, kind of, I imagine you'll very much enjoy the Gold Saucer, which is... Uh, is it's a theme park basically that's in this world and they have tons of mini games in there i'm all about um, the mini games however there is um there's one i was thinking about this the other day there's one mini game that they haven't showed anything for yet which is like a real-time strategy game it's called fort condor mm-hmm. and it's like how is that oh like, i've heard of I, I, yeah, well are well, they the going to expand upon that in this one well not? the fort condor stuff was in uh, integrate isn't oh, it oh integrate that's was it so so fort condor they did it as a mini game in the ufi chapter i do not remember of the dlc that. i played it but i don't remember mm-hmm. it. so i would assume either they'll do like a expanded version of that for it or it will just be in honestly but, it was like my least one of my least favorite parts of the original mm-hmm. game um but i'm Part of me worries that they're going to really expand it this time. Yeah. Uh, and But from the original game, it wasn't... Um, you were only forced into doing it in the second disc, I think. Yeah. You didn't mm-hmm. have to do it the first time around. You could for fun. Mm-hmm. like. Um, but yeah, there's all sorts of... There's a yeah, little fighting minigame. There's a it's motorbike, a s- snowboarding. And there's all sorts. I want to see what the snow... I reckon they'll go full to town on the snowboarding. Yeah. I want cool boys. Um, yeah. Just <laughs> give me cool boys. I'm very excited to play this. Is that what, February at the moment is the release Yeah, day? February 20-something. Yeah. yeah, that's not... Not too far away. I thought no. this game would be much. And they're saying hundred hours as well. Which well, is, we'll see about that. Yeah, that's I mean, if, if you, you do every mini game to completion mm-hmm. and every little collect everything. But I can it? imagine there's so much to explore. And like we know for a fact they're going over two continents in this game, mm-hmm. going onto a third continent actually. So um, there is a lot of ground oh. to cover. Lots Hopefully, they don't feel the need to pad it out too much, and if there's already so much to cover, but yeah. you never know. Um, This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, 
Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Another game I cannot wait for, which is much closer, a month away now, is Alan Wake 2. I've already kind of rabbited on about this game, how much I can't wait to play it. And me and Matt, yeah, we recently went to Remedy in Finland for an IGM first, our month-long like cover stories that we do. Got a load of features already up online and a couple more to come next week. But uh, this game just continues to be very exciting to me. But you're the one who recently did a hands-on preview out of a section no one else in the world has yet got to play, mm-hmm. I believe, or at least write about. Um when you, I kind of, at Gamescom, I talked about the Alan Wake section we saw and how the dark place is this weird, haunted New York. But you got to play a whole mission from Saga's perspective, the FBI agent, and how much more that side of the game is much more like a Resi or a Silent Hill sort of game. Yeah, that's that's the vibe I'm getting. Certainly, obviously, the uh, the camera perspective and even like the UI mm-hmm. is straight Resident Evil remake territory. The way like, the shooting feels. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, in many ways, I cannot blame them for it at all because mm-hmm. those Resident Evil remakes are, are masterclasses yeah. in design. So absolutely no, no beef with them for that. <laughs> and how to make money as well. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so this is, whereas the Alan Wake stuff that we kind of spoke about at Gamescom has got this sort of like trapped in psychedelia sort of feel where everything's kind of like changing in front of you and you're physically using your mind to change the environment. Yeah. This is obviously much more grounded and you can tell immediately where the touchstones for this is. The moment I started playing, it's like, Obviously, there's the Twin Peaks element that fueled the original game. It's a weird little town that you're going to. Established by like these Finnish settlers who are kind of still there and all little quirky characters. Yeah, this was... So the game is set uh, still in set in, in Bright Falls. You still go there, which is obviously its homage to, right. to David Lynch. This is like, well, we want to do our Finnish version of Twin Peaks. <laughs> so it's down the road from uh, Bright Falls. It's a town called Watery, settled by Finnish settlers. And it's got a lot of that, like, you know, you're walking down the road and there's just a guy in a towel yeah. standing there's outside a of a sauna. Yeah. It's like like proper, like, old dude with his slightly Which saggy man like, boobs. funny as well, because, like, when we, we were playing the game at Remedy in their sauna lounge, which, of course, Remedy in their studio yeah, yeah. have a full sauna that staff yeah. can use this, at any point. Since this is a town in America, that's just... Like very there was settled, yeah, in yeah. the, what, late... Was it, like, late 19th century, I think? Something they said like by that. Finnish settlers who, yeah went over from Europe and yeah. In the same way town. that almost everywhere in, in America. But they yeah. maintain their culture. Yeah. There's like little quirks. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, fair enough. But, um, but yeah, and there's, it's got that delightful remedy element in that there's these two bananas entrepreneurs called the Costello brothers mm-hmm. that kind of run 
like a caravan park at this place, but they also run this place called Coffee World, which is a coffee-themed theme park with like a ride called like the Percolator. Yeah, very much kind of in that vibe. But they have TV adverts for all their stuff that's done in live action. So it's a lot like you know how in Control when you see the videos from Doctor Darling, Mm. they're done like that. But it's the two actors that are voicing the Coskellers in it, doing it in real life. It's a very remedy thing. Very, very remedy. So it's got a lot of that. Um, and I think this is already starting to set up this idea. It's a very different game from Alan Wake 1. In that Alan Wake 1 is a game where you run from A to B through a forest shooting gangbusters oh, worth God, of, yeah. uh, of, of people. <laughs> yeah. Whereas the entire opening of this... So how long did we play for, Cardi? Like maybe an hour and a half in this mission? Uh, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe a little bit shorter. Hour, yeah, maybe. And I'd say the first kind of 15 minutes of this, we didn't, I didn't shoot a gun at all because I'm just chatting to the locals right. about this. And because Saga is a detective and you're there, you've, you're not there with Alex Casey, who's your FBI partner. He's kind of elsewhere. So you're on your own in this town. Just chat with people. And that gives it that sort of slightly more Silent Hill vibe mm. in that this place feels a bit off kilter. There's a bit of a mm-hmm. vibe here, but also... I'm just chatting to people. I'm getting an idea well, for the detective true work. detective vibe as well, isn't that, it? So that's what, you know, you, you start to see these touch points, true detective. And for example, the way Saga's gameplay works is um, you do obviously get uh, objectives like you do in every other game. But quite frequently, the way those objectives unlock is you have to do quote unquote detective work before that begins. Yeah. And that happens in Saga's mind place, which is that classic Sherlock Holmes, like she goes into her head where she can see all the evidence she's collected from across the journey and she can piece them together. So for example, um, I can't remember what the objective was, but we couldn't progress anywhere because it wasn't giving us an objective. But then if you profile Mm. the Koskela brothers, which is you go in her mind to a desk and sit down and select their case file and she starts thinking through all of the things she knows right. about these people. And you get to hear, like, she, what she's doing is, you know, the profiling system that Will Graham uses in the Hannibal books, mm-hmm. where she goes into their minds to try and work out what is their thought process, what would they be doing? And when you learn something through that profiling system, that triggers your next objective. Right. So it's forcing you to do the mm-hmm. kind of uh, it's FBI not like, work. It's not complex puzzles. No, put, no. This isn't like really like you have to work this out and like work your way yourself. It's fairly like, like you know, square peg goes in square yeah. hole mm-hmm. sort of thing. It's not too obtuse. Yeah, the profiling one is the most simple of it in terms of like, you meet someone, you don't know how they fit into what your story is. You profile them and Saga goes, ah, they did this, so therefore I should go and do this. But the more involved stuff is this case. There's a case board on a wall, which is the classic, you know, the always sunny loads yeah, of yeah. like uh, <laughs> yeah, twine and stuff like that. Pepe and, Silver, yeah. and basically, <laughs> as you're going around, you're constantly like collecting data and evidence. So it'll be like, I found this murder weapon. I found this weird footprint. I found these people that told me about this. And essentially, the board is effectively split into, as you say, holes, and you need to find the right-shaped clues that go into the right-shaped holes. And when you find that, Saga's like, okay, I've put two and two together. Yeah. This gives me this mission of And you're always going to get like the right thing. It's not like L.A. Noir where you could guess wrong and you fail the mission. Like, mm-hmm. it will, it'll tell you, oh, yeah, this is right. You're never yeah. going to fail and like, get the wrong mm-hmm. idea, really. So so that's kind of like how the detective sort of side of it works. And I'm, I'm a bit up and down on whether that... Quite honestly, the UI gets in the way a little bit in the... 
sometimes, at least in the bits that I was playing, you'd be like, oh, okay, this is definitely a, a clue to do with motives. And you start trying to put it in the motive section of the board and, and Saga's just like, nah, I don't think this goes here. And so you end up having to just choose every one of them to make it go. And then she's like, oh yeah, this uh, works. And now you get objective. one of the main things that we're actively working on when yeah, we were right. there though. So I feel like that'll be in a better place by the but time But before we had actually left... Finland, Remedy had said, we've we've found another way that we think we're yeah. going to do oh, this. Cool. Which is really They cool were watching us because we're basically the only people outside that should, to have played, played the game. Them for yeah, them, they yeah. were like, you could, yeah, the QA person was in the room basically going, okay, yeah, they struggled here. And asking us, oh, how did you work that out? Just mm-hmm. like, it was like, I just that. to make sure we weren't guessing. Yeah, <laughs> it, was, like, it was interesting. Yeah. But anyway, so I think, I think the detective stuff will be in a better place by the time it comes to release, but... I like the vibe it gives you. I still think there's a little bit of clumsiness in it. But that takes us into... Saga goes into a forest, basically, where you've got to go. You're looking for a set of keys. The The Coscala brothers have said, oh, there's these keys to this trailer you need to get into. They're at Coffee World. They're at our theme park. You go after dark, basically, and you know that they're in the gift shop. And so you, you start trekking through what's much more of an Alan Wake-style forest. And this is where kind of like the combat comes mm. in. Obviously, this forest has got a few enemies in. Way less, way less than there was in Alan Wake 1. Each enemy is designed to be like, it's an assailant that's leaping yeah. on you from Maybe out like, the forest. Maybe like, what, two or three in a 15-minute stretch? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And they do things like the first one we came across... Uh, had like an ability that he could split in two. So now you're fighting two of them at the same time. But it's still based on that very classic. It uses the old school Alan Wake thing in that they're all protected by shadow shields. So you use a torch to burn that off and then you shoot them. But the the cadence of combat is much more like Resident Evil. How, um, so these, the Alan section and the Sag Mm -hmm. section sound very different. Um, I understand there's some sort of system for switching between them. Yeah, so like you can, uh, basically there's points. Normally, I think it's going to be at the end of each chapter. You can go into these break rooms at the end of missions and you can um, basically choose, do you want to carry on as Saga Allen or do you want to switch? And these stories are happening parallel to each other. So you can play, I'm not sure if it's all the way to the end, but long stretches as one character from one perspective. Or you can switch in between and it's kind of like, they want you to play it the way you want to play it, but I think the hint is every time there is a break room, it's kind of a soft suggestion of, yeah. oh, maybe you want to switch in between. My, my concern is um, enjoying one section way more than another I don't one. know if that will be the case from what we've seen. They're both Certainly very I, different. I, I got a lot of good vibes from both sides of it. Yeah. I, I really liked the oddness of Alan's side, yeah. and I think that's arguably the most interesting but the saga side draws on a lot of things I like. It's the more Resident that Evil style. more interesting to me. To it's got the more of the, um, like, it, the profiling system is Hannibal, down to the fact that if you've seen the Hannibal TV show, when Saga sits down at her desk to profile people, her head is framed by deer antlers, right. which is exactly the, yeah. uh, the symbolism that they use in the Hannibal show. So it wears its, like, mm-hmm. uh, detective horror on its sleeve. Absolutely. Yeah. And as much as... It plays well and it's looks it looks visually just Phenomenal. unbelievable. Yeah. Um, it's the it is the remedy side of it that I love the weirdness and the way this is the first. Well, Control was technically the first, but this is the first game to join the connected universe they've been mm-hmm. building and just the weirdness. Like in Alone, if you've seen the gameplay we've put up or the preview Matt did, Artie the Jennifer 
Artie, uh, the janitor for control, is just doing karaoke in the local <laughs> bar in this yeah. village. And it's just so weird. I don't know if... Do you remember in Control, he's always saying like, oh, I'm off on my vacation. Yeah. I don't know. Is this his vacation going to war? Is yeah. that sort and of it's like, like the, the weirdness is definitely there in the saga stuff because that's where the stuff to control turns up. Yeah. Like Obviously, there's that mention of Artie there, but also... Um, we know that that's in the real world and the Federal Bureau controller in the real world. So the potential to see perhaps more characters or more concepts from control yeah. is definitely going to be in the saga it's side. It's just like, we've already seen like some weird bits that some people may even consider spoilers. I don't think they're spoilers. Like in the, uh, we recently put up a clip with uh, Alex Casey, who is the fictional detective from Alan Wake's novels, who is basically Max Payne, mm-hmm. looks like Max Payne, sounds like Max Payne. And that would be like quite a big thing for a lot of games, but that happens really early. That's the first Alan Wake chapter, I think, that happens. Oh, is in. it? Mm-hmm. And that means there's just gonna be so much more weirdness yeah. to this game, and I cannot. I got wait. one question: Does Saga internal monologue? A bit, but not as much as Alan Wake's. I know you hate no, an internal I hate, monologue. Well, I just don't like it in games in general. But the idea of a Max Payne character and a mm-hmm. Alan Wake character being right next to each other, just in, mm-hmm. having an internal monologue off. She, she all does the time. it, especially when she's like looking at the case board, but that makes sense. Yeah. I, I don't mind that too much. But it's, no, it's a more dis, just describing. No, it's not like, you know, in the original, where he's walking down the road, he's like, Alan walked down the road. And he's and like, this is just like one of my novels. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's my not favorite quite like Stephen that. King book. And I'm in like, the Alan Wake sections, he does do that a bit, but yeah. I, I, I like that vibe. I think it's I very think much that is, I get it. Like yeah. some people like it. For me, it just grates on me slightly. So, which leads me all the things you're describing about the two leads me to believe I'm going to enjoy the saga side of it way more mm-hmm. but also you know Maybe. we'll, we'll yeah. see we've, we've obviously not been able to play Alan we've been able to watch like this 40 yeah. minute section of Alan but what I would say is all the stuff that I know that you like is in the saga side because there's also the puzzle side of Resident yeah, Evil's yeah. in it but these I'd say these puzzles are better than anything I've played in yeah. Resi oh really because okay. so there is the standard Resi-style puzzle of, so to get into that area where the keys are, it's a case of this door is locked with a padlock and you do a bit of detective work by you read there's a maintenance log next to it and that gives you the impression of, oh, someone on there is talking about the last time the lock was jammed, we had to use a screwdriver to break it open. And then there's another note from like a man that's like, oh, I've been to fix the percolator ride. I left the screwdriver there. So you're like, okay, Go and get screwdriver, use screwdriver to open lock. That is a classic Resident Evil, use weird item to open lock. But there are way more puzzles in this that require much more like thought. So for the example that we saw was you find uh, by one of the break rooms, actually, a locked box, uh, which has got some cultist gear in it. So there's this mad cult, the the cult of the tree, which is your like man antagonist. (laughs) And they've left a crossbow in this box. And you're like, okay, a crossbow, great, new weapon. But it's got a three-digit, you know, the three-digit like padlocks on them yeah. where you rotate the, the dials. And all you've got is that to go on. And what it is is you have to study the area next to it, which is a crossbow firing range. But there are numbers on different targets and there are different n- uh, amounts of arrows that have been fired into them. And you have to study that and work out from there what the three digits There's are. There's an to extra layer to puzzle. It's not just like, here's a code. It's like you have to work out the code from looking at what's so weird about that what you just described Mm -hmm. is that sounds like sometimes 
what you think the solution on a Resident Evil puzzle is going to be. Yeah. And then you realize, <laughs> oh, it's actually way more simple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was no. just written on a note and I didn't read it. Mm-hmm. But the amount of times I've gone in a room, like, I'm just counting random things yeah. and looking at numbers. It's a good it? balance of never being too obtuse, but yeah, you actually feel like, oh, I worked that out. I yeah. Feel so yeah right. the, there's an excellent version, which I won't say what the full solution is, but later on, there's uh, in the demo that we played, there was a bit where you got told where the uh, first... Uh, they they were symbols on a padlock rather than numbers. And you got told where the first symbol was. And it was to do with it's in the bottom of a coffee cup. So I'm going around looking at coffee cups. Like, like well, which yeah. one's got the symbol in it? You're at a theme park where, like, oh, giant yeah. coffee cups are part of, like, the amusements. Like and it. so from there, you then start to work out. And even when I found it then finding the other two parts of it were another mm-hmm. like lateral thinking exercise rather than it just being like, oh, I'll use this and the other two are written on the other yeah. side of the coffee cup. Yeah. Way it's, more to it than that. I can't wait to play it. Um, yeah, I can't wait. We're only a month away from Halloween mm-hmm. 2. Cannot wait for that. Sorry. Too many games coming out. Um, I did say we're talking about Lies of P, but we are, I know you've got a meeting in 15 minutes, I Dale. I do, yes. So maybe we... Save Lies of P for next week, if that's okay. Sure, yeah. Do you want to let, actually give us a, a 30 second opinion? Do you like it? It's really good. It is, <laughs> it's, it's very much just steals everything from Soft, from Soft, but it does it very well. So okay. I think it is good. Is it funny and I want it to be like weird and funny? Is it do that with Pinocchio it's, it's, it's or is weird. it quite? It's, it's like because it's, um, it's, it's fucked up puppets, I don't want it right? to be po-faced. I want it to have a bit of humour. It's, def- it's definitely dark fairy tale, but because all of the enemies are like like, like weird chimney sweeps and mm. weird fucked up clowns and like yeah. giant police officers with almost comedy batons, it's got a sort of... Like the splices in Bioshock are a bit like okay. fucked up weird... Uh, nice. I might... It's Geppetto, the final boss. That's what no, I'm but he is in there. He is your dad, but ah, he, there's okay. clearly something sinister yeah. to Geppetto. I am... Um, I might give it a go. It's on Game Pass, right? I might, mm-hmm. I might give it yeah. a go at some point. Um, yeah, who knows? Who knows? Anyway, no end of search this week. Those of you that hate the theme, you'll be glad to hear that. I quite like the theme, but there you go. <laughs> Shall I read a piece of it? Actually, I'm, I'm, I know I'm third on the feedback running order, but it is about the theme. Oh, go on then. IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN.com if you want to emails about anything but Dale what, go on then this is from Ed Webber so obviously last week we had somebody I can't remember the name I'm sorry but they wrote in saying that they didn't like the end of search feed. name was Rob I believe was it Rob okay and we said Rob you are the outlier everyone else loves it yeah. <laughs> turns out not so much so this is from Ed. He says, uh, hello, IGN podcast fellows. Hope you're well. And having never written before, I felt compelled to provide feedback and say thank you to Rob for his loathing of the endless search feedback theme. That's so rude. I know, right? Uh, I firmly side with Rob that the theme is the most grating auditory experience for reasons I've never been able to pin down. Rather than hark on the endless search theme debate and begin a discussion that could split the country in twain, I want to offer a solution that is an admirable I want to offer a solution that is as admirable at the endless search itself that has now allowed me to not only make peace with the song, but create my own version of the endless search I like to play. The game is simple in premise. With the 30 second skip function on most portable podcast listening devices, I now try to gauge the build up to an intro and how long the preamble or segue will take to allow me to press the 30 second (laughs) skip to avoid all the ear nausea of the song, but not all the noise of the song, but not miss the start of the game. Uh, a perfect sync is as satisfying as a perfect parry in Elden Ring. So Rob, don't hate, don't avoid, adapt and play the game and enhance your podcast experience. I agree, don't hate. I like the song. Yeah. So there you go. 
Maybe we'll play it at the end, uh, the last piece of music at the end of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, we should no. totally do that. No. You ain't getting away with it. I would you? do that, but I also, I didn't mention this for Phantom Liberty. Some of the music, especially the soundtrack that for the final like fight in this game, unbelievable oh, music. Okay. Um, and the end credits of Phantom Liberty. But we will say, unbelievable. we were talking about this earlier because we had a couple of people writing in saying they don't like the tune, but we know there's a lot of you out there that do like it as well. If you don't like it, Make something better. It's, it's Send like it in. Twenty to thirty seconds. I just yeah, just get on with yeah. it. Frankly, yeah, is it? So, so, so the the theme tune started life as an audio as a as a submission from one of our yeah, listeners. Definitely, yeah. So so if if you if you think you can do a better one, if you want to change this <laughs> oh, into a no. into a new era for the oh, endless search, no, no. Uh, send one in that's better. To be fair, when we did get it written for us, we were very much into talking about garage at the time. Yeah, yeah. That we're not so much. We're sailed. not a UK garage podcast anymore, are we? Yeah. Maybe I'll just put the cyberpunk theme and have me saying, endless search. Over the I want to know also though, if you like, really like the theme, make sure you write in and defend your position as well. Because so far we've got a couple of haters and we need to, we need to flip the script <laughs> on that. Uh, cool. Thank you for that. I've got an email here from Rohit Sankaraneni. He says, hi team. Firstly, I really enjoy your podcast. Try not to cringe too much at that, Cardi. I don't mind the <laughs> praise. It's not me who doesn't mind the praise. Everyone's going to keep writing and thinking you don't like the praise. Well, I'm just fine to wind with it. You up. Tell me I'm great. Um, he says he's missed the food chat a bit, though. We did oh. chat about. We did. Sausage. We did open with sausage sandwiches yeah. this week. Uh, so, you know, I've been. Have you tried these? Oh, what are they called? They're little. They're little like French like white chocolate cakes, but they're not got white chocolate on them. They're white chocolate flavoured. I think they're called like St. Michel or something. No idea. Oh, treat yourself. They're so good. They're like a a nice little Madeira cake that's kind of got a um, a white chocolate flavour to it. That sounds nice. Um, they're really good and I'm going to have to look up. I've probably forgotten completely what they're actually called. Do you know called. what I've become obsessed with yeah, in, the, in the last month is paninis. And I, I, okay. don't get me wrong, I always had a panini, right? Yeah, yeah. But now... In the last, I, I guess I worked out they were a very easy lunch for me mm-hmm. to make because I like, I don't really like cold sandwiches. I always like hot sandwiches. Yeah, yeah. And when I work from home and I've just become obsessed with making paninis with like pepperoni, mozzarella and ham in it. Nice. And I, I have it like almost every day. I'm so happy for you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I found them. They are indeed called the St. Michel Soft Galette White Ooh, Chocolate Cake. Delicious. Uh, I think you get six of them for £1.80 here. Um, very nice. That's a good those. food chat. Yeah, there you go. Anyway, Rohit also says, anyway, the main reason I'm writing is writing in is because on the most recent episode opening, you were speaking about Dell's paternity leave, which I'm expected to go on to in Congratulations. November. Uh, he says my own, not his. So he's not <laughs> yeah, coming not to help you mine. out. You <laughs> <laughs> um, mentioned Power Wash Simulator, Simulator as a good game for that period, given baby duties. Mm-hmm. Are there any other games you'd recommend as being good for that time that I should consider? i.e. easy to pause and play in 15-minute chunks and still get something out of it. I'm playing Sea of Stars at the moment, but I've almost finished that. Other games I thought would be good, but had I not already played them, are Hades, Inscription, Dredge, and Ghost Runner. Respect the sea, Gravediggers, and all the rest. P.S. Also, funny story, when I started listening to the podcast, I used to think that you were saying respect the sea as in C for Cardi. And I was confused for ages since Simon seemed like such a humble guy. Why is this <laughs> such a common note that people say about respect the sea? Like not like, understanding what they, talking there's about a lot the big blue wobbly have, thing. Yeah, there's a lot of um, <laughs> other things people have thought it stand for. Something much more unsavory. Yeah. But um, am I humble? 
I don't know, mate. <laughs> you sound uh, like you want to definitely a whole don't. Bit, no, yeah. definitely. Uh, it's not respect me. It's in respect the sea, the ocean. Yes, um, the ocean is what we've always referred exactly. to. Exactly. Um, so basically, games you can play in like fifteen minutes. I mean, if you're into football, see football manager. Yeah. FIFA Honestly, those, though, but- like. I've been trying to play Cyberpunk this week with my baby, but the gigs in Cyberpunk are yeah, absolutely yeah. perfect. Like I said, they're little contained stories mm-hmm. and you can just play one and then pause it. I wouldn't, the main story probably takes you a significant I suppose like roguelites and turn-based ones, they're the ones, aren't they? You can pause them you at want any things time that aren't like short like runs. Big complex stories that you want, you're, you're involved yeah. in. Just things like, that are very gameplay focused, I think. Yeah, obviously Slay the Spire is, is a good one for that sort of thing. Um, 15, like, yeah, yeah, I mean, Mortal Kombat. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I, I, I've baby's playing, best friend. I've been I've been playing a bit of Mortal Kombat one before work for the yeah. last couple of days, and I've just been <laughs> nice little wake up for just, <laughs> In fifteen minutes, you can get quite a lot done yeah, in, yeah. in Mortal Kombat. Like you can probably play about a good ten or fifteen rounds because they are basically a minute each. Yeah, yeah. It depends what sort of game you're looking yeah. for, really. Mm-hmm. Like I would just say, avoid big story games. You know, like focus on yeah. things that are. Is it there? But, but he has been playing Sea of Stars, uh, which also Chained Echoes is very similar to Sea of Stars. If you want more of that, and I guess you can probably pause that, but that does seem a bit much for a baby. Yeah. yeah. Racing games. Can't go yeah, wrong with them. Yeah, like maybe Forza Horizon 5 or something. Yeah, there's just so many. How about, is, is Armored Core one you can play in small chunks? Uh, the Not the boss missions, but the actual kind of mission yeah. missions are actually super short for the most part. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or maybe something like Grifflands if you want like a... Mm-hmm. Uh, Something that's a bit like um, uh, Slay the Spire in terms of like yeah. those card matches, but there's a, a narrative and a story to it that you can then progress with night after night. Yeah, I yeah. would say avoid games that aren't really pausable. Anything like online or when you're in a or session. Or a Kojima game. Yeah. yeah. Like any, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> Anything like, because I, I used to play, we all used to play tons of Rainbow Six Siege. I can't imagine trying to play that now. And then all of a sudden the baby decides he wants yeah. to make noise. I'm like, yeah. fuck, I'm going to die. Yeah. A- yeah. Absolutely no From Software games because no. <laughs> there's no pause during yeah, those there bosses. You go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Avoid those. Yeah. And definitely Power Wash. Uh, last email from Matt. From a Matt. Yeah. From, from Matt Eddy, who says, Hi, IGN UK team, long-time listener, etc., and so on. I was hoping you could settle a debate. My fiancé, not a gamer, was uh, watching me play Red Dead Redemption 2 and questioned why I use guides to collect items, saying she thought I was cheating. I explained that it was a time-saver for me and that I didn't see the problem. She then had the cheek to question why I wouldn't reload my save after I died and lost my beaver carcass that I was we've carrying been, on my horse. Done that. <laughs> I explained that this was essentially save scumming and that this was generally frowned upon during the during in gaming. She was having none of it, and we had a spirited debate as to which was worse. I love her more than anything, but she's dead wrong on this, right? Uh, is save scumming wor- a worse form of cheating than using guides? I don't think. I don't think using a guide for especially in a world that big and that on mm-hmm. un- just like anything could be anywhere like there's no real like if you're going around trying to collect all the cards in that game there's no way naturally no. unless you've got all the time in the world you're going to find like all the cards in that it game it depends naturally. what you get how you get fun from yeah. it right is the mm-hmm. fun part of the discovery or is the fun the achievement of like yeah. achieving or you want to get to the end of it I, okay then- i don't use guys very often i occasionally do if it's a big if it is a big like sprawling RPG, like mm-hmm. Baldur's Gate, occasionally I use I checked because I was like, I feel like if I do something here, it's more to check if I do this, is it going to do complete opposite of what I actually want? Yeah. 
and lock me out of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I definitely, I finished my Baldur's Gate playthrough on 996 save files. So <laughs> I did a bit of, I was just playing F5 like every five minutes. How big are those save files? They're not very big. <laughs> it's like 10 gigs worth of yeah, saves. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just, you know, just in case. But yeah. I don't, do what you want. But I don't, if we're <laughs> do talking about, want. you know, on different levels, I don't think, I think save scum is probably worse than cheating, yeah. uh, than, than using guides. I also think, do what you want. Do what you want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I also, like, however say, you enjoy like, games, enjoy yeah. it that way. I've never really considered the idea of save scumming to because you lost a beaver carcass. Like save scumming <laughs> is a thing that quite often comes into like you made a massive choice and then you realize yeah, yeah. you made the wrong one. Yeah. And not- because you refuse to adhere by the choice you made, you save scum and go back. I think losing a beer, yeah. a, a, a beaver, beaver carcass, carcass. isn't. No, I'm no. not going to be praying to the Lord and to also, cleanse my soul. Single player for games, it. do whatever you want. Like. Cheating in multiplayer games, no way. Mm-hmm. Don't do it. Yeah. But yeah. Um, single player games, offline, who cares? Yeah, you do it as long as you're having fun, that's all. I'm exactly. Right. Um, IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN.com if you want to uh, write us in. Dale, you've got a meeting in one minute one now. One minute, yeah. Um, we? Well, let's let's bang on some cyberpunk action music and say goodbye, shall we? Bye. Okay. Bye. Goodbye. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.